0: Welcome to Leadership in Focus podcast number two. Today's podcast is a special edition called In the Brew Room. It's designed to garner experience and knowledge from a diverse group of junior leaders. In, the, in general, the podcasts are designed to discuss all things leadership and are suitable for all levels. Although the podcast is military focused, the discussing uh, discussed points are equally relevant to any organisation. The common theme for this and future podcasts will specialise... Uh, by grabbing d- guests from throughout Army and discussing issues, today I have Sergeant Askew, Lieutenant Vare, Corporal Wise, Sergeant Maxwell, and Warren Saccashen. Ladies and gents, uh, thank you for coming along today uh, and being part of the podcast and allowing me to ask some questions about some of the challenges facing junior leaders in modern organisations. I have a few questions uh, and we'll we'll sort of, we'll crack through them pretty quickly. Uh, The first question uh, I'd like to ask is, have you seen, or how have you seen, daily and weekly routines implemented in your organisations during your career? Have they worked or have they been less effective?
1: Uh, Yes, sir. So having experienced both sides of this, uh, I interpret this as knowing um, knowing what's about to occur uh, on a regular basis, or what's not, or not knowing what's going to occur. Um, and then to help with this is by formulating training programs to assist with routine in the future.
0: Okay, so as a as as a troop sergeant, are you responsible for the development and implementation of those programs and routine?
1: Uh, yes,
2: sir, along with my troop corporals, yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've sort of seen it uh, implemented uh, good and, and bad. Uh, more so uh, a good at the start of the year when it's a sort of fresh uh, fresh year. And then uh, sort of during the year, it starts to fall aside with um, like our priorities that are like fighting for precedent, especially our premium sort of post uh, a field. Uh, you're always going to get these sort of priorities or tasks or something like that. And normally it's the first things that go is like sort of PT or um, something like that. So 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 before I ask
0: a a Ramey perspective for you guys as Troop Corporal and Troop Sergeant, would it be beneficial and do you think your soldiers respond better if they had a set in place routine that never changes? And although there are some competing priorities between uh, tasks that get driven from um, headquarters, um, and maybe some self-opposed tasks. But if those same routines, day in, day out, do you think your soldiers would respond to those?
1: Probably uh, a routine, <coughs> excuse me, uh, a routine with a little bit of flexibility alongside it. sir. So.
2: Okay. I'd have to what agree. And I-, I think just sort of the nature of the beast of the army as a whole, you're never gonna get that sort of set in stone program. that's gonna, you're gonna have day in, day out. So I think the answer's all. Gonna- the question sort of answers itself it's it's I think it's an impossibility almost okay to get that
0: your training programs are they up on your notice boards or are they something
2: that gets articulated during knock off
0: or both
1: um, my troops are up on my troop notice boards so, yeah and they're 2 weeks in advance
2: a bit of both and changed pretty much last minute okay
3: so um yeah so I I see generally um weekly programs that are generally released sort of the Thursday before, which covers the week following. Um, they drill down to everything from physical training, who's running the physical training in the mornings up until uh, an a.m. p.m. Sort, of, sort of daily breakdown. Also in those programs, you know, it covers any upcoming task orders for the week that, and the particular trips to tasks required. Um, it's good because it gives everyone sort of an idea of what's happening for the week so they can be prepared for any, anything that's going to happen.
0: So, C-Squad and Two Cab separated from the rest of the regiment. Uh, so physically dislocated uh, within Townsville or Lavrock bar- Barracks in particular. Does that provide any further challenges, or there's a program on the wall plus verbal get you across the line?
3: Uh, generally, sir, it's it's as a program on the wall. It's rele- released down to the um, from the diggers all the way to the. The OC and the 2IC, they're all aware of it. Um, the, the biggest challenges of our physical dislocation is sometimes things that come out word of mouth around the regiment don't make it to C Squadron in a quick sort of fashion. So sometimes last-minute tasks do override any training programs or weekly programs that we do have implemented. But uh, we remain flexible at most yeah. times to do anything like that.
0: So, if I was to ask what would be your recommendation or something you would fix about training programs or routines, what would they be? Um,
1: well, that's a hard one, sir. So at the moment, I think the current structure in which we have in A Squadron 2 Cave is working. Um, not knowing what's coming down from uh, Reggie Ops is pretty much our curveball on a regular basis because it's. Um, Probably notice of higher uh, Regimental Ops tasks would benefit us, but sometimes we don't have that luxury and we've got to fulfil it at short notice. All right.
0: Well, outstanding. Yeah, some uh, some good insight. Um, And from my my experience, I think a, a routine, yes, there needs to be some flexibility and yes, information will come out of Regimental Headquarters. From ops that are short notice, and, and that's and that's never going to change. And wisely, that's that flexibility that you talk about within your within your instruction. But I, I believe that a good a good uh, set in stone routine from Monday to Friday that never changes, so soldiers always know. But also, coupled with having your training program up weeks in advance, will assist the soldiers having an understanding of you know what is happening in, in days to come. So yeah, well that's that's outstanding. Oh, we'll, we'll crack on to question two. Uh, this is a this is a comment um, and a complaint that I think has been around for some time uh, and it's a, the common complaint is that junior NCOs is that they don't feel empowered to lead or basically to do their job is this still a criticism and if it is how can we fix it
1: yeah so I personally don't think this is the case currently well in a squadron anyway um, we're actually doing more to empower uh, sorry empower our junior NCOs. Um, Putting more responsibility on them, allowing them to have more input into the training programs, and then holding them 100% responsible for the training outcome of it all.
0: Yeah, what do you reckon, Wyzie?
2: Uh The old adage of like, uh, I'm guess we're sort of going on the whole micromanagement sort of side of it. It, I believe it doesn't have to be a thing if you don't let it. If if you if you don't let it be something. If um if you're giving clear intent. Um, if, you, yeah, if you've given sort of clear intent, you should be able to run with it to achieve, you know, side end state and stuff like that. But I think it comes down a lot to uh, sort of the guys' personal experience as well as other uh, trust from, from above is actually letting people run with it. Okay, so we had a
0: discussion before the podcast started. It was all about allowing uh, our junior leaders to make mistakes. You know, allow them to make mistakes because we make we learn more from mistakes than we do from our successes, and it's about as a senior junior as a senior corporal or a uh, a uh, troop sergeant, troop platoon sergeant, whatever the case may be, and even up as far as the, the SSM, CSM, He's not; he's been slow to punish, but it's, be very swift to praise. Um, do you think that's a fair a fair cop? Do you think that we need to mentor our junior leaders through? Uh, poor decision making.
3: Oh, definitely sir. Uh, if if we don't allow junior leaders to make mistakes, then when they start moving up to rank of sergeant and warrant officer, they're not going to know. Um, you know, they're not, they're not going to know that they've made any mistakes. They're going to think that they've done everything right, um, but really they've just been babied through their career by uh, people taking the responsibility off them. Uh, we we need to give junior NCOs the power, especially in Second um, Cavalry Regiment. We give our Bravos and Charlies the charge of millions of dollars worth of vehicle. They're responsible for those vehicles. They do all the maintenance, they do all the stores, they uh, provide their own training programs for their soldiers. I think we need to carry on doing that sort of stuff and not sort of just leading them where we want them to go.
4: Okay.
3: Yeah, good man. What do you think?
4: Um. I think there's a wide range of factors that go into anyone making a decision or anyone making a mistake and realistically you know we're all human beings and everyone will make a mistake and everyone will slip up eventually and if it's you know it's not threatening your major equipment through negligence or it's not life-threatening then let them make the mistake and then if they make it a second time then say something and be like look you've done this twice now that's not on. I think I make mistakes you make mistakes if you learn from it then good keep making them so
0: yeah great Agreed. Tyrone
5: yeah so I'm gonna use an example I, I had so in my career going back to when I was a corporal the most enjoyable rank that I've had in the army easily as a corporal I was empowered and I'm going to an overseas deployment here in charge of two as labs and up to five PMVs with other call signs in the maneuver aspect I was lucky enough to have uh, a lieutenant that allowed. There was no micromanagement. He trusted in my ability, my advice, and he set the left and right, right of arc of where we could go, do things we could do, and let us do our job, you know, on the ground, because he trusted that our ability was going to keep everyone safe. We were going to pick the select, uh, the correct routes to get into various positions, um, and fortunately enough throughout my career I've worked under a lot of people that haven't micromanaged and I think that's developed me now to where I am in my role as uh, the operations warrant officer um, then in 2CAB is that yeah? I still have NCOs under me but I don't like to micromanage their, their daily tasks so I think you can get shaped very early on in who you're going to become as an NCO by the experiences you've had from uh, your supervisors so... That's that's my point of view, um, and I'm, that's just a fortunate point of view from my perspective that I wasn't micromanaged and I allowed, um, I was allowed to do my job, and I had a lot of trust um, forced upon me to, to do my job as a junior NCO. And I think that's the exact same thing that I would put upon junior NCOs in the future, encourage them to to, to lead, empower them to do their job, because I mean, they need to know how to step up to the next position as well, and that's all about empowering them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um,
0: a good answer so I sort of linked to that. so when when leadership is mentioned mentioned in a military context, both internal and external, um, people' thoughts always or often tend to, to, to stray straight to operations or, or war or warlike. I on the other hand believe that leadership in barracks is often more challenging and difficult. So what are your thoughts Sarge?
3: sir I totally agree with that statement uh, in my opinion um, leadership in warlike situations and on, on operations they uh, generally take a mission focus so a single mission that the the battle group or the combat team is all fighting to achieve depending doesn't matter what your role is you're all a- a- assisting to achieve mission success however when you're in a barracks in the barracks realm you know you've got everything else that comes into play you've got your soldiers families you've got key dates, you've got uh, your soldiers' social uh, side of the house, you have uh, task orders coming in left, right and centre, you have multiple exercises that you've got to prep and plan for, you you know, you, your store's requests have to be in for every exercise, 30 days out, you have to, there's just so much coming at your left, right and centre that it's um it's a lot more difficult than that single, almost a single track, mission focused world.
0: Yeah, yeah I agree and I think... Operations are certainly more stressful. However, in barracks, we have a lot more competing priorities, uh, whether it being personal or even work. And we discussed that already with, you know, operations cell getting uh, short notice tasks, non-platform requests being pumped down to the squadrons. You know, things become very complex very quickly. um, And it takes some good leadership to to make sure that the the, the unit, -unit, subunit, tracks um, where they need to be. Ma'am, you got any to add?
4: Um, As far as things to add, uh, I don't really have a lot. Sergeant Askew ticked off all the points um, that I was thinking. It's just, essentially, in field, everything's instinctive and it's immediate and it's short-term. It's, you know, you've got six hours to complete this task. But in barracks, you know, you've got so many other contributing factors and you're planning for three exercises at a time and then you've got all this other stuff. So I think, yeah, Sarge, I think you hit it pretty much on the head for my thoughts.
2: Yeah, what was he? I think just trying to um, keep it a little bit simple, trying not to overthink it. So leadership within the barracks is as simple as uh, the junior NCO providing the hopefully good example. Just by doing that, they're sort of leading their their digs in the right way. Yeah, how do we do that? Setting a good example.
0: Bingo. When well, I'm
2: um, it's almost
0: like I wrote that down for you, yeah. which I didn't. Yeah, yeah, great answer. Thanks, Wisey. So it brings me to our last question, and it's a mantra that I personally believe in. And is, um, you often hear the quote about being brilliant at the basics, and and what does this what does this mean to you, and how does it resonate? Now, prior to the podcast, just for our listeners, we had some uh, some some conversations, and. It, it sort of it stood out that there's a bit of a misunderstanding of what that quote actually means. Um, and we soon understood that it, it depends on what trade you do, what rank you are at. So what we'll do now, we'll just go around and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get an indication of what that question means to, to the group I have here. So, Maxi, do you wanna? Uh,
1: yeah, sir, so I I was, before the podcast, was one of those people that misinterpreted the proper meaning of brilliant at the basics, but after having a bit of a better understanding of it, um, I believe it's being good and competent at um, basic skill levels of um, specific jobs. That w- once they're all combined, they make you who you are and a uh, a good asset to your trade, or a troop asset to your squadron, or a squadron asset to your regiment. So
0: you made a good an- a good analogy before about the one percenters can you can you elaborate
1: yeah yes So I interpreted originally as um, nailing the one percenters so if you nail the one percenters such as um, your individual vehicle craft your own navigation your own personal admin all those things if you nail all those one percenters and there's a hundred of them then you're succeeding and being awesome at your job
0: so I have a question for you because you are a troops sergeant. Sorry. when in the field uh, we're in a, a troop hide. What what makes you do the right thing? What is it that tells you that you need someone on picket? You need someone. Which sorry, you need everybody to have their shirts on. You know, to to make sure that people are carrying their weapons. To make sure that you do those one percenters that are pertinent to your rank and trade.
1: Because so I got an angry SSM,
0: sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: no, no. But, um, probably because. Uh, it's it's what needs to be done, because there's no point training in the field and becoming, oh sorry, becoming complacent in the field only to take that complacency potentially into an operation. So let's, I know it's another throwaway line. We train how we fight, but it's
0: 100% what we should be doing all the time. Yeah, you reckon, Sarge. In, you know, being, being Ramey, you, do you see the same?
3: Yeah, so um, from a Ramy's perspective, um, Like, the same with the conversation we had beforehand. Um, Brilliant at the basics, to me, sort of tells me as a fitter sergeant, um, if I'm brilliant at my job, my base role, if I know my role as a fitter sergeant, then that allows me to um, focus more on things like that I'm not brilliant at, sort of, as I was saying, uh, an armoured crewman, for example. Um, If you know your own job well, um, it's going to impact... More on the, the bigger picture sort of things, and that even steps up into the the squadron and the the uh, the regiment level. You know, having basic things like your standard operating procedures, um, your actions on. If everyone nails those basic things, then um, it's going to give everybody more clarity and a better gauge as to the success of of a particular mission set or something like that.
0: Yeah, something else we we spoke about just for our listeners' benefits is is b- brilliant. The basics, right down to the basics. So everyone being you know great at navigation, first aid, weapon handling, you know firearm movement, and then progressing that, using that as a firm foundation as we make our way up. And that includes dressing bearing. That includes you know having frayed t-shirts, frayed slouch hats, bearers, etc. They they're the basics that we're talking about there is no left and right of arc it's a full 360. Uh, it talks about what it basically what it needs to you need to be to be a soldier and all those basics that encompass that is that's my interpretation and if we get that right, then you know we should be able to go from here, step from here, step through our training continuum and go on operations and do a great job but it starts at the basics. Well, ladies and gents, thank you. Um, thanks for sharing our experience and thoughts on a number of issues and challenges facing junior leadership in, in, in your organisation I'm sure that listeners will get and have got a great deal from our discussion today uh, to our audience I value your feedback, positive or otherwise and if you have any suggestions please email me at leadershipinfocusaustralia at gmail.com or lowercase and feel free to, to follow me on uh, Twitter under Jason Moriarty Again, thank you for tuning in uh, to our second podcast. Thank you.